I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. On November the 19th, Pro Boxing returns to Dublin for the first time in a couple of years. There are 10 fights on the card at the National Stadium and the bill is topped by Craig O'Brien, who takes on Pavel Abrecht of the Czech Republic. It's a welcome return to the ring for the Dubliner after a year away. So, uh, Craig, welcome back. And when I, when I came up with the name for this uh, this podcast series, The Rocky Road, it could have been written about your life story. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> When you say that now, think back, it actually called me. It feels like I told this story so many times as well. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, it never gets old. I don't think, Kevin. It's a, it's a good story, and it's good to be here. I'm actually a fan of yours. I listen to many of your podcasts. As one being uh, all group, he he a great story. He 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 would be another Rocky Road story, maybe. So Amazing. yeah, it's good. It's good to be on, and it's good to know. Uh, yeah, it's good to know who my opponent is because I didn't know who my opponent is until I <laughs> just mentioned it as well. So, <laughs> yeah, the, man, that's good. He's 14 and 19, so he's definitely going to be battle-hardened and uh, and ready to go. Just before we dip into your own uh, your own story, and there's so much to know, like a couple of your old teammates have retired recently. So Eric Donovan has, has just uh, hung up the gloves. And, you know, a week or two before that, Noel Kennedy also from the Celtic Warriors gym previously, he also decided to hang up his gloves. I suppose, uh, you know, they, they'll be missed. Yeah, uh, Eric was a big surprise because I was up in Belfast with Eric in the corner on his fight there last month and a uh, hell of a fight. Uh, uh, that, that was a rocky movie fight, that was. It was a hell of a fight and he went uh, he, he went in deep. He, he went he, he went right in, like, you know, he had to dig, he had to dig, man. It was a 12-round war, so it was, uh, like he said in his retirement, it was probably the pinnacle, as, as in the sense it was probably... The best achievement so far, and for him, for, for a way for him to go, he's probably not going to top that, to be honest. So, I think age gets you a little bit, of family time gets you a little bit, and sometimes you just, you know what I mean, you have to do what's right for you. And, and listen, he's doing great outside of boxing, so I'm sure forward he'll have a great career and what he does, you know what I mean? He seems to, he seems to put his head to it, and, he, and he's a top man. He's actually come to the stadium, he, he reached out to me the other day, so he called me some tickets, I'll be over for your fight and stuff. So, he be actually doing the night as well, and Noel Kennedy is another one. Noel was meant to fight on, on this show on the night day in the November. Uh, it would have been his fight back, but I think through medical stuff and so on, it didn't go as planned as what he wanted, and he didn't get back the results that he thought he would have. So 
again, same thing with Nile. We, we had a chat about it afterwards. It's uh, it's hard. It's hard. No one, when you're doing this for years, it's hard to throw the towel in, Kevin. You know what I mean? It's, it's all, it gets to a stage where like, it's all you know. And listen, we had a chat room, but the flip side to it is, and just like Nile, he gets to spend more time with his little fella now. You know what I mean? Boxing, boxing takes that away from you because. You're in the gym so much, you're away so much, you're training so much. Sometimes family, family life comes second. And it's hard to say that, but it does, you know what I mean? Because all you're doing is just thinking about the fight or, or what's ahead of you. So, yeah, it's sad to see the boys bow out, you know what I mean? But there's more there's more to life when we sit down and think about them boxing. I mean, but mm. on the flip side, they both have two great careers. Noel went out to America, he's done great out in America. He's won titles out there. And just like Eric, he's won BOI, Irish title, and then the... European low TG4 and a cracking fight last month. So, yeah, it's it's even go, but at the same time, this is life as well, isn't it? Yeah. And like, just so few boxers just have a straightforward, you know, A to Z story where, you know, where everything just runs smoothly. Like, I guess you look at Niall and you look at Eric and what they've, you know, accomplished outside of the ropes to get themselves in the right place that they compete internationally because they both had like you know significant setbacks and are both willing and willing and able to talk about it in a guess a way that most people who listen to them would find it inspirational i've obviously heard both of their stories on this podcast before yeah no listen they, they both had great careers especially Eric. Eric, Eric from a from an amateur rugby he's made everything in the amateur sport and then he didn't turn over to lay on in his career to give her another shot and he's brilliant as a professional as well you know what i mean i know I know I didn't go according to plan from in, in Eddie Ahern's back garden, but he boxed out of his skin that night and got caught with one shot. And, you know, he, he's been to the whole as an amateur and as a pro. And then the same with Noel. He, he probably didn't think of what I, I, I know for a fact Noel wasn't thinking about turning pro whatsoever. And he, came, he linked him with Pascal and one chin led to another, he turned pro. And just like that, he went out to America, had a good career, boxing some big shows and came back, had some good fight. Yeah, they 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 both they both done brilliant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you see any parallels between the lads' careers and your own? Like, I guess you're at a stage now where, like, you could be justified to step away and to finish up boxing. You've had your 15 professional contests. You've had had some great nights. Had some nights that'll probably disappoint you. But there's something in you that you still want to carry it on for another couple of years. Uh, that's the, that, that's a good question. At one stage, that wasn't Kevin. You know, this fight came about. And I get down and talk. I was like, "What? What do I want to do? I'm busy. I'm busy everywhere else. Like, I'm finishing already in college. I have that finished in May. It's my last year now. As I said, I've got the kids. Little football. He does boxing. So they trying to get there, bring him. And then I'm all to two days work. I, I got a contract. Uh, the place where I was volunteering doing youth work, working with the young lads on the south side, uh, with the young people over there, and. I took I took fifteen hours a week. So that's that's two full days. So when Pat came to me with this, I was like, what, what do I want to do? And and just like I said earlier to you, boxing can't go on forever, you know what I mean? And and, and you know the way boxing is it's a hard sport. Like I read through the lines which I didn't even know myself from uh, boxing Ireland had a post up of three fights in three years, which is not a lot of momentum you're getting, Kevin. I mean, I was like, Do I want to do this again? Is is it like thirteen months is a bit mean, you know what I mean? So I feel the more fights I have, the more I progress, but I'm not getting them. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? So I'm mm. like, what do I want to do in my career? Like, I'd be happy retiring. Like, it's, I'd still love the sport. I still got on my own bit of training, this, that, and the other. So I did contemplate that that question. I did think of what would I do or what want to do. But I'm hoping when I look back at 13 months ago, it was probably my best performance to date. I know it was only five rounds, but 
they were probably best five rounds so far and I was doing great until what, what happened happened if that makes sense but mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping now these will probably come again in February or March for the show and we'll fight then and probably the summer and we probably get 12 or 15 months out where we could get fights and couple of titles, whether it be international titles or something, I don't know. So hopefully we can get a run of it, but this will be my last run here, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Growing up as a kid, uh like what what's the name of your what street did you grow up on? I was born in Henrietta Street off uh where I live in Henrietta Street house, the tenements, the old tenement Tenement Museum. So it's it? so it actually a famous old street. Yeah, it is at the moment. Yeah, Pascal and his wife actually went last week to visit last Sunday. Yeah, you can go in and visit and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice looking street now. Was it, what was it like? What was it like 25, 30 years ago? Well, but not that street hasn't really tried, hasn't changed. It's in Henrietta Street, it's got the cobblestone, got the old houses, and nothing's really changed. Yeah, it was just there. We, we used to we used to be up every day messing around the back gardens, climbing in and now playing knickknacks, whatever it may be. You know what I mean? But yeah, it hasn't really changed. A lot of people lived in them back then, so not so much now. I think there could be there could be one family still living there. Or he, he, I think he moved to Arbor Hill recently to another tenement, only half the size of that. But yeah, a lot of people just live in them back then. Where nowadays, the more as you said, museums. There's like fossils and stuff up there, and there's all different day programs for rehabilitation. There's all different things going on yeah. up there now at the moment. And uh, when you went into boxing, it was at eight years old, you went to Corinthians. Yeah, so Corinthians opened, I think, in 1998, and my dad would have brought me along there. Uh, and that's when I started down there. I remember going in. I remember now, it's all different now, but when I went in, there was two floors in the club, like a, like a bankly around where you're skipping along. But I remember going in, and I think uh, Anthony Fitzgerald was one of the first jumpers to come on. All with my dad would have known his dad introducing and taking me under his wing and looking after me and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was eight years old when I first started down there. The club was only the opening, and uh, my dad brought me down and threw me in down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a great picture of you, think, as a kid meeting Marvin Hagler at the gym and everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Marvin came over. Yeah, he's uh, he, I, Hagler, Hagler was Boston, wasn't he? He was, he was in Boston, the connection there from Boston because later on, then a couple of years later, we actually went over. I think. He went over, I mean, Boston, Boston. So it was always that little bit of a connection, but he came along. And Steve Collins then came down at one stage as well. He was down the club as well. So there was always a few boxers in and out, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, you've spoken before about, like, uh, a lot of your friends from from back then. You, know, you grew up with, you know, playing sport, playing football, but then hanging around the streets. So, like, you know, it was, a, it was a brilliant upbringing and you had a lot of fun, but, uh, like, a lot of your friends didn't really make it out of their teens or didn't really make it too far. They kind of... You lost a few along the way. Yeah, so so so, so I, I, as I said, we grew up in Henrietta House. I stayed there and I was about, uh, I think, 96. My father bought this house. Up, up. It's only a stone truck doors, actually, and we moved up there. But I was still in between everywhere. But we, we were growing up and it was about 15, 16. The boxing, I was doing well in the boxing. I was doing well in the football. Then I was hanging around the flats and messing around. I didn't want to go to the boxing as much. And, we were out in the streets messing and eventually as as the years went, I must have been sixteen, seventeen, we started going out and we started uh, yeah, messing around the flats and getting into trouble and so on. And uh we would be start drinking and smoking bits of blob or whatever it may be, you know what I mean? A couple of the lads got addiction and 
a couple of the lads then passed away throughout the years. I lost a friend of mine, Glenn. I lost Glenn at 18, which was a big shock. We were away. Glenn would have been born in Henrietta Wirros. And when I moved up the doors, actually, he would have came with me. Me and him went everywhere. So it, that, that was a massive shock. I was in Spain when I got the phone call when he died. And then we lost Doichi. We lost Darden. We, and still still to the day, only the, only over the past two or three years, we're still, still devastating that's going around. Still losing friends that we've grew up with, you know what I mean, in the area, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was tough. It was tough growing up. And then I started getting into trouble. I started going, uh, getting caught up in addiction. I was like sleeping pills and hatching weed and whatever. And then I was in and out. I was getting charge sheets and I was in and out of prison. And yeah, eventually then I ended up in prison for the last time for 12 months. And when I came out there, I was 21. And when I started getting back into boxing, I started finding a bit of fitness again and started enjoying joints and calming down and not getting in trouble, well, if that makes when sense. When you started um, getting interested in drugs, like what sort of drugs were you taking at the start? Like, well, uh, it'd be just like, uh, I was never really drinking. I'd be drinking in the flats and then you'd be smoking a spliff. And, and believe it or not, I never smoked. Like, I'd be around there and the lads would be smoking. I didn't smoke hash probably until later on. I was probably 18 and I'd probably been around from... 16, 16, 17, I'd been standing with them, but I'd never smoked. And it was later on, then I started to smoke. And then obviously the hash started, the scene changed, the weed came along, mm-hmm. so I was smoking weed. And then I started taking uh, the sleeping pills, and I got heavy addiction on the sleeping pills. And I was going to like a uh, fucking day program, trying to go off, and I went to Christmas and Manor Street, a number of places, you know. And then, yeah, it's funny, I still, still question myself, ask myself, how did I? come off them because even when I was in prison that time there were occasions where I took them and I remember when I did come out of prison when I was 21 or so I was still smoking a bit of weed I wouldn't say an awful lot but I was still smoking a bit and yeah still to this day I asked he said when was the following moment you know what I mean but I think what happened to me I went to the gym with a friend of mine Joey he keeps telling me this I changed you he keeps he's <laughs> <laughs> putting that on me I went to, I went to the friend uh yeah, I went to the gym with my friend Joey. I, mean, I didn't weight, but I was a skinny little kid. I didn't like weights, you know what I mean? And I had no intentions whatsoever of getting back to boxing. But I was down daily and I lifted weights and was back there. And I was getting sick of lifting weights. So I started hitting the Then I started skipping. Then I started jogging. And I think the more I went to the gym once a day, twice a day, the less I was smoking weight, if that makes sense. And then before I knew it, I linked up to a club called the Living Lion Fishbrett, who had a boxing ring and he'd done boxing size classes. And I knew the friends of mine, and they loved the boxing. I liked the boxing. I started getting in, getting fit. We started doing weekend spars, and it was brilliant. And then I met Noel Bourne, who was my first coach, and we started linking in and started linking boxing clubs and started sparring and stuff. And we went out to Pascal's, would have been one of the first clubs we went sparring, the likes of Spike and Luke and stuff like that. This would have been all 15. And I started sparring with the lads and I was doing well and I felt like I could do well. And I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe we could turn professional here. Chance, yeah. Tony Dava had a show. Yeah, Tony Dava had a show on the Red Cow. And he uh, it was February then, I think. I was like, Tony, can I go on that show? And he's like, oh no, you can't go on the shows full up and this, that and the other. I was like, ah, Jesus, Tony. Someone pulled out long and behold 10 days before <laughs> and he came to me. He's like, Iron, do you want to go on to that show? He said. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And in the space of two weeks, I was, I was in, having me force far around fight. 
Yeah, I remember. I remember. I think Phil Sutcliffe headlined. I think I was at it. All right, I remember it. All right. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So yeah, Phil was in a good fight. Then. Yeah, Terry Needham was it? Was it Needham? Needham. Was I going to? So yeah, what, he knocked him out didn't he, in the late rounds. Just to 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 go back just for a second, for a second. to like when you end up being locked up. Like, had you been arrested many times? Like, were you one of those kids who had like? Uh, fifty charges, or was it was it one or two, and then you got kind of you got you got locked up. So, so the first charge I would have gotten was about fifteen or sixteen, and then it just kept coming after that. That made sense, and then uh, I would have done like two weeks twelve on remand. I would have been in uh, St. Pat's on two six month sentences when I was like seventeen, eighteen, but. Yeah, a lot of them would have been down to being on tablets at the time and just going out and just, like, we were just fucking running the muck in the streets, to be honest. Yeah, we were just having a break and into everything. We'd go out. That'd be four or five was, we'd go out in daytime, probably from 10 in the morning, and we could go on the train at the Holt, for instance, and we'd go out there and we'd be here all day. And we just, we just ventured through the streets all day, you know what I mean? Just getting, getting stoned more or less on tablets and smoking weed and, yeah, it came to the stage then when I, when when we were getting charged and you get away with you and eventually you get locked up and yeah and that's what happened to me man I was in I was in St Patrick I was there twice on two occasions uh, for two six month sentences and then I was in Clover Hill the one for Clover I still can't remember I, I don't know what it was for I woke up in the prison cell I woke up in the Broidwell uh, station I must have been on sleeping pills I think I was on Zimmervan the night before. And something happened and I went up there, it was up there for eight or ten days or something. And then the last one then was I was it getting caught with like uh drugs. Like a small amount of drugs anyway, but I was like I got three years with two years suspended and I went to Pat or I went to Mount Joy then when I was twenty. Uh and I was up there for nine months. Were you were you like uh were you devastated to get locked up or did you not really care? Your mates were there and, you you know, it's part of, life, part of the life you'd accepted for yourself at that stage or, you know, the way, which which way did you see it? Yeah, well, when you're in that, when you're in that environment, you get used to it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to be locked up. Of course, I didn't want to be locked up. But when you go up there, yeah, there's no doubt, you know, Paddy and John and Peter, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And you, yeah, it's like as much as prison, and you get used to it, it's actually not that bad when you're in there, you, you're involved to it, you know what I mean? You get used to the environment. But for me, it was, I was in the gym probably 8% of the time up there, you know what I mean? I, was, I, I love sports. If I wasn't in the gym, I'd be out in the air playing football or stuff like that. And I even ventured up to the skill now and again and stuff. So, yeah, it's 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 probably it's probably a good thing, believe it or not, Kevin, that I got that sentence when I did get it, you know what I mean? Because and then my girlfriend was still three months pregnant. So I remember on the January then she was at the having the baby who really she's she's the eldest now, she's eleven. And I got out like uh, six, seven, eight weeks after that or something. And between her having the baby and me at the being down the sand, I sort of like or sort of like at a stage where I have to a time like where you have to hop on and mature a little bit, you know what I mean? So and thankfully I did, you know, but yeah, some people, some people go in. It's sad, it, it, it's sad sometimes because some people go in and they're just constantly, it's just constantly involved. You know what I mean? I, I walk down the corner street now and I see friends that I used to be up there with, and between drugs and charge sheets and what have you, not, they're still in the same boat. They're only getting washed. You know what I mean? So maybe I was one of the lucky ones and 
maybe show the show the gym and show the boxing save me a little, you know what I mean? Yeah, so so being in prison uh, for your twenty first birthday, the baby being born a few weeks mm-hmm. before your release and being obsessed. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of things, a lot of elements came together at the right time for you to something inspired you to change your life anyway, to turn it around. Yeah, and and, and just like you did say that, yeah, I was so happy twenty fourth birthday in there. I got the phone call to say how he was born when he was in there. So I was in there for Christmas, all them little things, you know what I mean? And then I remember my girlfriend came up on the first visit. My girlfriend doesn't smoke. And she brought the baby up. And they were like, oh, the dog smelled something off my girlfriend. And they put her on a screen visit. And I was like, fuck that, you know what I mean? It's, it's different than it was, but it actually wasn't. So I went out and I, I, I rang him up, rang him up to you and he came back in and be like, the proper visit in the end. So yeah, little things like that, like and, and especially now, I ever want to see my kids go through that, you know what I mean? I'd never I, that that that's the bit of maturity I have now compared to what I had back then, like you know what I mean? So yeah, it was it's it's a bit of an eye out when back on it. So as I said, I'm still I, I still count my chickens like I'm blessed as in the sense that I did change and things are good at the moment. Yeah. Right? I remember you telling me in a previous conversation before how you left school at 14. So your rights of passage are kind of, like you say, charge sheets getting locked up. They're the rights of passage. Whereas for other kids, different places of Ireland, the rights of passage are, you know, junior sir, leaving sir, go to college. But you might have gone a little bit the long way around it, but now you've, uh, you passed all your results there in the summer and you're flying, you're flying in college now as well. So as well as being a professional boxer, you're uh this is so so social policy and sociology. In UCD. That's the one, Kevin. Yeah, that's that, that, that's the one out in UCD. Yeah, three or degree. So I've only uh, I've only six, seven, eight months left now. So yeah, I'm full steam ahead. Just finished all the assignments last. Week, so yeah, it's good. It's good to be out there. But like I said, it's only it's only when you grow up as well you learn. As I said, different parts of the world. Like I didn't know. We grew up in a disadvantaged area. It was the, it. A lot of that stuff was the norm for us, you know what I mean? Going out, getting arrested, attending the police to fuck off, doing this, getting chased, getting charged sheets. All that, all that is the norm, you know? Yeah. Listen, it's changed. It's probably it's probably changing for the better, if that makes sense. I mean, I understand now, more educated, a bit more mature. And yeah, I, I'm I'm ripping the rewards now, it makes sense from, from what I've done previous, you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's, it can, as I said, it can, I see people now who still, on the streets, it can either make you stronger or it can break you, you know what I mean? So I just feel it made me stronger, a bit lucky. And I'm away for that now and I'm trying to give back and I'm helping other people and I'm glad that I'm doing youth one. Yeah, life's good at the Muhammad Park. Does being a boxer, like, you know, I suppose, you know, young kids look up to boxers. You look, you only have to look at, you know, the impact Kelly Harrington is making there, in a, not just in Dublin, but in you know all across the country, kids look up to boxers and you know are influenced and stuff like that. So does does your history in the ring uh, make you know make it easier for you to connect to the young kids that you're trying to talk to? Because especially you can say you know I've been through this myself. I've you know I've gone down the drinking drugs route and I've gone down the prison route, and now there's a better way or there's something there's something else you can do. I'd, I'd imagine that's quite a quite a powerful way for you to connect with the people you're talking to. Yes, but people with the lived experience in the walk that I'm in, Kevin, is, is like I said, like bang on what you said, like they, they listen to me more. You know, you have a guy coming in, it's at the end of the day, even the degree and the diploma and the master's in the suit and he speaks different. Well, then they're not going to listen to him much if that makes sense. But you have me coming in, someone that's been there, someone that's been born and flat, that's 
you know what I mean, go up and flat scene are all and done it more or less. And obviously now with the boxing, it, uh, it's good for me. We don't we ran a program there, it's called Fighting for Change. We started it back in August and it was a six week program, spiking that came up with the belts to the young people. We had the young people from the area and we got them together one day a week. And we brought them in and we done some boxing sessions with them, you know what I mean? To get something to, to look forward to and, and they took part and they enjoyed it, you know what I mean? So yeah, like we did that day, we had a young for there and I, I was talking to him and something came up about prison. I was like, it's not all about prison. I was like, I was there. I was at the main speaking of a couple of days previous and we never said that about prison. And the minute I went to prison, he's like, Are you locked up? He's like, Well, really, yeah. And then then he gets into it a little bit, you know what I mean? So yeah, people people with a lived experience, man, that's when true that in the work that I'm in at the moment is uh, it's key, yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. If um can you imagine what a professional boxing match at Crow Park would do next year? Like Katie Taylor is looking it's looking to happen with Katie Taylor. Uh, you know, Stone's throw from your place. Can you imagine what it would do for the area? Could you imagine what the kid how excited everybody would be? And would you do you think you'd be able to get a place on the card? Yeah, well the question you're asking me is the question everyone's gonna be asking, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's only always down there if I get a Brooks last month. And yeah, what a place, man. And listen, I don't know. I, 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 I'd fight anyone, Kevin, if an, if an Irish title fight comes up or it's an international title against one of the Hearns boys or whatever. Yeah, listen, I'd be there. I'd, I'd, I'd love to fight on the enemy. But I said, so will 100% of boxers were in yeah. Ireland, you know what I mean? So everybody's going to be scrambling to get on it. So I don't know. We'll see what way it goes, you know. Uh, I don't know what the story is with Hogan. And speak so that, that that could be another fight that might happen. It might go on the undercard. I don't know. So hopefully, hopefully with boxing, it, it's coming back around now. You see, obviously we're in we're in Dublin on the nineteenth, and hmm. maybe maybe after this, if it goes well, there's another show. Whether it's in the stadium even again, and I can start building again because there's been no shows, been shows in Ireland, but not down the south as much uh, as of late. You know what I mean? So it's good to see. The likes of Katie talking about Crow Park, and I think she's really eager and she wants to nick. So I think it happened. Eddie Hearn said it wasn't the works, and they reached out to them uh, in September. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it can go. We'll bring it, bring it boost back to not not just big time box, but small hard shows and business stadium and stuff, you know. So it'd be absolutely, it'd be yeah. You'd want to have, yeah, a couple of shows at the National Stadium to serve as a feeder, whoever's performing the best, get an opportunity to fight on the big one. Um, so yeah, but like boxing's taking you around the world. Like you, obviously you fought, uh, you fought in Ireland a few times, but you know, you fought in the USA, England, Belgium, Italy. What, what are some, what are some standout moments for you getting around the world? I know like yeah. just seeing the pictures, I remember like a few years ago, yourself and Spike over fighting in the USA and just seeing the pictures of you meeting, you know, Zlatan and Oscar De La Hoya and stuff like that. It was just, I think every Irish boxing fan was almost yeah. like pretending they were Craig O'Brien that week, just like living the, living the dream, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been amazing. And just like we were on there, the likes of Pascal and Spike, like when I went out to the gym at first, like I, I always got around them with them, like when I actually teamed up with them, like they took me under a wing, you know. What I mean? They helped me out, they helped me out bundles and just the likes of that. Like I think I think I was lucky as in the sense Spike <clears throat> was in the same way as me, and we done loads of sparring and we actually got on great. I'm actually going to court next Monday. I'm down there for another podcast with two Nordies. Uh, so I'm actually staying in Spice Place, but yeah, America has been. We still talk about it, you know what I mean? Like we, we do, man. I mean, we catch up, but like that's what it's about, you know what I mean? As much as the fighting in the ring and start stuff and the training and all, it's the memories what what comes with it, isn't it? And 
when we went out there, Spike Boxing, the Canelo and Golovkin on the card as the Colmain event, and it was just mega, man. Dude. Just completely different, man. Everyone, it was a hill's hill of boxing, you know what I mean? I met everyone. I met Tommy Hearns, uh, Slatton. We met everyone, man. And then, yeah, with the journeys, the journeys have been unbelievable. We've been to Boston, we've been to LA, we've been to Vegas. And like I said, I was in Italy fighting last year. We were in Belgium. Yeah, it's all traveling around the world without boxing. I wouldn't be to any of them places. So yeah, it's been great for me. Kevin. Did you did you forgive Pascal? I know, I know you did. You did. You did forgive Pascal for pulling you out in your last contest. Obviously, he said like he he made a very unusual step for a boxing coach. He actually came out and said, "I think I pulled out Craig too early, and I regret it." But you know what? What are you gonna? You know what are you gonna do? I was overcautious. And then, and you said, "Listen, I know that no one has my back like Pascal has. So effectively, that's it. I forgive him." For, but we keep going. It's like a lot of fighters might have, you know, sacked the coach or whatever, but that was never going to happen with, with your relation, with your relationship. Yeah, but when you come down to it, when you, when you come down to it, like the reasons, the reasons for it and the reason why he is, part of his heart, Kevin, you know what mm. I mean? He didn't, he didn't do it out of, uh, out of Celtic. He didn't do it for himself or anything like that. He'd done it to help, to help me. I just like that. Like we've, you've mentioned there being around the world, being around the world, I've seen him with commissions, man. He's fucking, He's not like any other coach or manager, you know what I mean? No, this is the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be. He's my boxer and so on, so on. He's done it with Spike. And just before my fight, even when I went out to that ring in Italy, the gloves came in, the guy hand, hand Pascal the gloves. I said, like, great. He's like, where's the other guy's gloves? Oh, what do you mean? They're in the other dressing room. I'm like, I want to see them. And I made the guy, and he's like, okay, come back. He made the guy go around the other side of the ring into the dressing room, bring the gloves back, he put his hand, he made sure they okay. So there's no doubt he was looking out for me. Listen, I, I, from his angle, all he could see was the back of the guy, if that makes sense. He did count with a good right hand. I went back to the rest, but I was killed, man. I was killed. I was in there. I was moving. I could see the shots coming. And just as the hell went in, which I didn't even I was at the catch for a right uppercut, and I was like, I'll turn him now. And I let my shots go, but I didn't get to do that because the hell came in. So, yeah, just in the moment, I was gutted. And if, if I ever thought, if I knew I was going to win a fight, <clears throat> I was going to win that for you, Kevin. There's no doubt about it, man. I, I had everything in the tank, man. I was fully fit. I could have done 10, 12 rounds that night and I was, I was, I was really enjoying it. But listen, again, he put his hand up. He said it was a mistake. But at the same time, I understand where he's coming from because i got family. I've got kids and it, it, it's a hard game. There's a guy the weekend that boxed. I don't know whether you've seen it. Mm. On PBC, was it? On Top yeah. Rank. <clears throat> and they put him in a, a, a juice con with ST. So... Yeah, it's it's the it's the pros and cons of the boxing. It's the highs and lows, isn't it? But do you think about the mortality rate of boxing yeah. and the, the brain damage that occurs to a lot of you know that happens tragically to a lot of fighters? Because like you, you've escaped one way of life, a dangerous dangerous way of life, and you've told me about you know the friends you've lost along the way, and you know to yeah. to, to drugs and to other play act or whatever sort of you know a life of crime basically. You know you've lost friends along the way, mm-hmm. and you've taken up this kind of healthy, clean way of living. But boxing is very, very, very dangerous still. Yeah, a, a million percent. But we don't think of it like that, do we, Kevin? We think of it as like as, as a boxer, like it's a, a sport. It's all it's all we know type thing because you're doing it from a kid, if that makes sense. But like I said, when you actually sit down and look at the statistics and what happens, and like last year, a couple of people died last year. Mm-hmm. In, in, throughout the world in boxing, you know what I mean? And I think uh, it's a Tris Dixon, he's just, he's just released a book there a few months ago on like... That what, damage, what, yes. What, damage. What, what damage it does. 
yeah, what what damages us to their brain and stuff like that. So I think as fighters, we don't actually look at that enough. But yeah, when 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 you do look at it, it's it, it's very dangerous. I read I read it on my holidays, and it depressed the hell out of me. To be honest with you, you're sitting there at the swimming pool reading this, going, "Oh, this is horrendous," you know, just because there's still, you know, stuff that's happened to a lot of you know. The, the all-time boxers, the greatest boxers of all time, it all ended up in brain damage. You know, Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson. But they, you know, they they fought, they all fought too long. They all fought too many yeah. rounds of sparring, too many fights. And, you know, they, they didn't really have the knowledge and the know-how and the, the people looking out for them in the way they should have done. Yeah, back then they used to box every couple of months, really, didn't compare to the way we do nowadays. But just on that, we, we had a conversation with my uncle. Uh, night on the phone, he's in London with talking about Ben and Eubank, and he's like, "That's a dangerous fight. We should never happen in the first place." Like, if you look at Eubank coming down on the way, and Ben coming up, he's like, "Better again." If you look at that fight, who both left two guys paralyzed from mm. fighting in the ring was a McCallum, and then the other, he's like, "They should know better." Now, I think uh, Eubank Senior wanted didn't want the fight to go ahead, but uh, publicity, that, I don't know, but. Yeah, it just shows the damages when you when 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 you look back and look at that. It might have been it might have been for publicity, but didn't country. he? He lost a son as well recently in a kind of heart attack while out swimming as well. So maybe he's maybe Chris Eubank Senior is incredibly vulnerable at the minute as well to the dangers that his sons go through, and he just yeah. didn't didn't want it to Absolutely. take place. And his son didn't look great at the way. I'm put the follow up, but anybody has seen it. No, it's it. the fight didn't. I don't think the fight was really anything. At, yeah. Yeah, I don't really think people wanted it. I don't think genuine fans of the sport wanted to see that contest. Uh, there's a lot of new fans of the sport who'd be like, yeah, I know I know who both of them are. That would do me, but I don't know. Going back to, uh, like, so uh, just, we don't have too long left now, Craig, so appreciate your time, man. But do, do you think about the Fowler knockout often? Like you got, obviously that was a heavy knockout. Was that the low point of your career so far? Because it was obviously a big opportunity for you, a big fight on Sky, you know, a lot of, a lot of eyeballs and I went over to take on an Olympian. Um, heavy knockout defeat in the end. What, what did it, what did it feel like? Was it more personally or physically hurtful? <clears throat> you know, yeah, the, it's funny because yeah, we're talking about knockouts and then you bring that up. <laughs> Probably yeah. good time. Well, yeah, it's it, it's all in that moment when something like that happens. You, you like you think your family don't like you know what I mean. You think your family, you think your yeah, health, you know what I mean? Are you gonna be okay? Thankfully, thankfully it was okay and it was it was a devastating TKO, there's no doubt about it. And I remember and we we said it last week on the because he went for the body, I came up off the stool and went to the out and he went for the body and I dropped the blocked the body shot and he came over the top and passed with all his days. Like, you remember that shot? He's like, I fucking do remember that shot. Because the same shot he was he was reminding me of, you know what I mean? So but yeah, in that moment there was just like yeah, man, just healthy, like making sure, making sure it was okay, and you think of your family and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a low point. Listen, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it, Kevin? Like maybe, maybe I should have had another two fights over the next twelve months, or or three fights over, the next, and built up back into that fight, and not taking that fight at that stage. You know what I mean? And mm. we go back to Pascal. I remember, I remember I said to Pascal, Pascal didn't really want that fight. He didn't want that fight at all. He's like, Craig, it's a little bit soon. You, you, you've all. All the time in the war, but at the fight back then, you just you're thinking of the mega, you're thinking of the big fights, the sky sports, all this sort of stuff. And I just wanted the fight. I was like, nah, possibly we have to take this fight, players. And in the end, he he let me take the fight, but 
yeah, listen, it was it was a great occasion. It was a great thing, and it's funny. Some people probably only know you now because of the fun, still because of the foul off fight. You know what I mean? Man? Look, it's and not. I, and it was a TKO. Yeah, but, but, but boxing ain't no. Fa- it's not a fairy tale. Do you know what I mean? We're like we're having a conversation about like the damage, and we're you know it's some people get a fairy tale exit, like Eric Donovan. Look at him walked away, you know, with his with his belt. But it's not it's not a fairy tale, and uh, this stuff happens, doesn't it? Like you did have a great night to win the Irish title against Jay Byrne, you know, live on TG Car, a few hundred thousand people watching it. That was a that was a great night. A lot of us couldn't make it to the fight because it was a big blizzard. So <laughs> I, I I never made it along living down the sticks. That was it. Yeah, that, that was a good fight. I just liked that my cousins and all from London, they could make it. But yeah, the news was on uh, it was on TG4, so a lot of people tuned in. The numbers was high that night. And it was actually great a boxing all around. It was between the last man standing and then the main event. So yeah, that was probably boy so far. And probably the law would have been the foul, I think. But listen, it's boxing, Kevin. And these things happen, you know what I mean? If you're true, who has been TKO? We see it every weekend. We see big TKOs every weekend. If you're going to go swimming, you're going to get wet, aren't you? You know what I mean? So listen. this the game. This the game we're in, you know what I mean? So, yeah, listen. You know, it's highs and lows. It'll always be highs and lows. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's been a great career so far for me, you know what I mean? And, uh, and look, you're you're winning at life, man. You've got like, uh, you know, are you, do you still have the Irish, do you still have the Irish light midway title or has that, has that changed hands since? Well, it's over there in the corner, but <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, I still, I still hold it, I still yeah. hold it, man. We're looking to defend them, man. We're looking to defend them, so I don't know what the story is. Listen, I'm doing 72.5 kg for this fight, which is middleweight, but I woke up this morning at 75.6, so I'm like six pound over with like a week and a half to go. It's not, it's not my natural way. I, I could do seventy. I, I think light middle would be my natural way. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we have this. And we get an All Ireland clash after this in probably November or probably February or March or something. Or I just say, Katie's show might come up, and I don't know what'll happen. You know what I mean? But we get back in. We get eight rounds under the belt and see how it goes. Yeah. Well, look, you've got a. You've got bigger fish to fry with that with that degree coming to an end next year. You got four little kids on the four little kids on the way up. Probably a, a big yeah. family by today's margins, but but in the past, sure, it's nothing to you. You'd be grand. Yeah, it's mad. Isn't it? That's another thing you learn in college, man. You know what I mean? Because families of six, seven, eight years ago was the norm. Nowadays, you have four, and we only talked about it in class the day. It was like three is a big family. I looked at me mate. He was beside me. He was like, "Is only four? I'm saying nothing here." Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the two the two elders ones that come to the stadium, it's the first time they see me fighting. So I said to Craig, he's ten. I said, you know, he's like, do you want to come? He's like, yeah, I want to go. That so I'm gonna bring the belts and let them carry them into the belt. So we go, do you know what I mean? Ah, brilliant, yeah. Look, yeah. Uh, make yourself a few memories there. Can I, just before we go, um, do you still visit? Uh, do you still visit Glenn's? Uh, Glenn's um, grave on the day of a fight. Yeah, I do. I still pop up, believe it or not. I was going up Saturday morning, but I lashed out of heaven. So it was actually my nanny's anniversary as well. They're right beside each other. She was uh, the 4th, the 5th, the 5th of November, and then she's buried on the 11th, the 11th. So yeah, I, I'll actually I'll actually go up there. Yeah, it's a stone trap for me. I love going up the graves, you know what I mean? It's a, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. People got to graves to get more, but stuff like that. But I don't, I go and enjoy it, if that makes sense. Have a little yap, have a walk up, stuff like that. So it's good. Do you, do you, are you religious? Oh, you've got a big cross tattooed on your arm, but is, is it, are you it's like a Christian Catholic? Yeah, that, <laughs> that cross came back in the days when I was full of pills as well. <laughs> I ask myself sometimes, like, what effect did I get that done? 
for my granddad, I was at the dying, I was like, I, I got something, I got, I got the cross, and anyway, but am I religious? Yeah, I am, I'm Catholic. Like, me, 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 my and dad, you know, like the old schoolers, they, they, they be Catholic. Like, sometimes I go to the church and my first room, and my dad on the Tuesday night, like a candle and stuff. And even I go, I go down the oil actually, the boy Dominic Church, and I bring the little one in, she's four now. She's like, Dad, we've got the Holy God's house because I've been, I have her in there like three or four times over the past year, lighting candles, you know, so. Yeah, I pray every now and again, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. it's good to believe in something. Well, look, I know you've, uh, you've, got, a lot, you've got a lot of people praying for you, Craig, uh, that, <laughs> that things go well in the next couple of years. And, you know, two or three more years of boxing, who knows where the sky's the limit still. Who knows what you could achieve. Yeah, it. it's, it's, it is. It's 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 a look game, Kevin. I was up by Roddy Collins' book launch. Well, I wasn't his book launch. He was having a party there last week up in Hanlon's Corner. He's, he, before I left, I wasn't drinking. I went up for an hour. Before I left, he looked at me. He was like, listen, Oil. Your career is only starting now. He said to me, "I was like, go away, out I was like, I'm telling you, it's a look game. Your career is only starting now. So listen, you don't know what's around the corner. But I was, uh, I was sitting around, probably not doing a lot. You know what I mean? Between college and stuff. So it's good to get back active and stay fit. And yeah, we see what we see what comes out of it. Not doing a lot. You, you, you sound like you were very busy. If you consider that to be not a lot, I don't know what the rest of us yeah. are doing with our lives. To be honest, but <laughs> yeah. Craig, Craig O'Brien, Iron O'Brien, I wish you luck for the rest uh, for the for the big fight upcoming and the uh, next couple of years as your career kind of plays out and you see where you see where you end up. Thanks for joining us today on the Rocky Road. Yeah, thanks very much, Kevin Gentleman. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.